Well, I don't feel like I'm a part of the everyday American society, and I don't want to be, let me tell you. Okay? I do my damnedest to tear it down. A governor's task force has determined that punk rockers are society's new subversives and must be treated as such. Taxation is theft. Oh! God damn it, motherfucker! We're talking peace, love, and honor. The BR Hates Fed Show. Welcome to the Rice Fields, motherfuckers. How's it going, people? I'm BR, I hate feds, and this is the BR Hates Fed Show. Or, it's possibly also the Art and War podcast, depending on where you're listening from. But uh, to get some house cleaning out of the way, Mitch and Nathan, they're, they're hardworking lads, but uh, we, we didn't have a guest this week. We It all just fell through. And uh, so, so no episode happened. And uh, they'll be back next week. But this week, I'll be taking over the show. The uh, for, for the Art and War guys, I'm the producer of the show. Uh, and I was planning on having my guest here coming on just my show. But now it's going to be both. So uh, joining me today is Reaper11, tactics, street smarts, and survivability guide writer extraordinaire. Thank you for joining me, man. Pleasure to be on. I'll make sure to keep my autism at a as a minimal today. Eh, no need, no need. We can dial it up. Let's kick it up to eleven. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely no limits there. Yeah, it's kind of the brand at this point. Nathan has firmly forced it into the uh, center stage, which I love. But yeah, it's um, working out really well. Yes, I am. I am shocked by the and slightly worried by the uh, the eager audience feedback. But you know, I'll work with it. Whatever numbers are numbers. <laughs> but um before we go down any any rabbit holes uh i wanted to get into a little bit of detail about um yourself like how did you get into the world of spreading kind of tactic knowledge and survivability knowledge to a primarily civilian audience and uh what got you into this stuff i'd really say it started uh initially with moving out on my own and then uh buying my first rifles and then just learning how much i sucked as at shooting Transition from there, you know, really focusing in on that. And as I develop and I kind of watch current events and how things deteriorate a couple of years ago, I'm noticing that there's, there's a lack of information that I wanted to know, specifically like small unit stuff, uh, sniper stuff, like field craft. And I really just went headfirst into trying to find that information, couldn't find it, you know, on the social media scene. So I basically looked elsewhere started buying my first field manuals, reading into those, watching YouTube videos. Um, and, and as I found, some of the information was not really cultivated for the civilian mindset and the civilian background. I really just kind of made it my mission to approach this like uh, professional athletes do and that they spend 80 to 90% of their time studying film and reading playbooks and putting time down off the field and out of the practice zone and into more like the book side of things and studying. Mm. Uh, and then just basically applied those skills to learning this stuff. And, you know, I'm dozens and dozens of, you know, field manuals in, you know, I've 
learn from guys, talk with guys, uh, practice with guys, you know, this craft. And as COVID kind of set in and you're, you're watching everything really deteriorate, um, I needed an outlet, um, not just for shouting into the void, you know, about politics and current events, but also as I started to do that and really what my initial first page was, was just really starting to uh, stand on a soapbox and kind of propose liberty using more historical examples. Uh, for me, it was piracy. <laughs> and, you know, because piracy basically kicked off the American Revolution, uh, you know, decades prior. And as you see, even during the American Revolution with guys like John Paul Jones, really just embodying uh, liberty in its purest form of just like, let me live my life and let me determine my future without outside input. Um, and I was really pushing that. And at the same time, I was kind of uh, really getting the gears rolling with the small unit stuff and conflict as a whole. And I keep seeing that there's nothing popping up on Instagram. Um, and I finally just lost and I said, cool, I'm going to cut it, cover some stuff that I've learned that people aren't talking about that could really amplify people's knowledge a really kind of bang for your buck uh type information so moving all that fluff you see from like field manuals and stuff and really condensing you know dozens of after action reports dozens of interviews and firsthand accounts and like condensing as much as possible and just saying hey here's something really simple uh, it looks complicated on the outside but it's actually really simple and take that and now you have this knowledge that you can spread with others and it makes yourself more capable to defend yourself your liberties and your values um and that started to really take off guys were really appreciating that because it's like it's just dumbing down information and opening them up to a uh, a realm they've not been exposed to um then got banned for saying uh, some mean <laughs> words to some nazis and uh, i guess mark did not like that he and, he's oddly on their side really really <laughs> interesting <laughs> no, I I got uh my last ban was because I called Kamala Harris a cop, which is true. <laughs> it's, it's not wrong. But uh no, I, I I love all that. Like um furthering and spreading that that knowledge to a, a civilian audience is so important and a lot of kind of what got me into it in into the whole Instagram thing as well cuz I, you know, I, I'd done like the, the briefest bit of uh, British army officer training. And I was like, w when you compare even very, very, very rudimentary small unit tactics to kind of the knowledge set of the average Second Amendment supporter in America, unfortunately, it's really fucking abysmal how capable the average person is compared to, you know, what a Minuteman is supposed to be or what a civilian rifleman was intended to be with the whole idea of the Second Amendment and uh, an armed populace. So I'm I'm thankful that we're at a point in the culture where everyone's like, oh, we really need to take that back, and pretty aggressively too. Do you think the cross-section of liberty and politics is something that's kind of galvanized the interest in this, or do you think it's kind of, we're just shouting from our little echo chamber and there's a lot more interest in this? Um, I'd say there's... You get two points. One, you have a lot of guys pushing this and normalizing this, and that is playing a huge part in all this because, you know, it's like one guy 
joins up and now he spreads this to one guy or two guys and now they're in and it starts to become viral you really get a logarithmic curve where it gets a uh, starts out slow gets really steep then hits a uh, um, saturation and levels off yeah. and then as well as people reacting on their own and starting to wake up to the room temperature um, and understanding that no one is coming to save them um, and that message becomes easier and easier to pitch to people every day. Yeah. Ain't that the fucking truth. <laughs> right. And like, I have people who I'm neighbors with and have talked with who two years ago would have been extremely hesitant to even go shooting. And now it's just like, Hey, you guys want to go out and you take them out. And they're like, Oh, I want to buy one of these. It's like, cool, sweet. There's two more proponents. So that even if they weren't like, Hey, everyone needs to buy machine guns. They're at least somewhat bought in because they have one. Um, they can understand that a lot of the rhetoric is rhetoric and that some of the people who talk about these instruments in a way in which we should give them up to a territorial monopoly and use of force, it's they, they realize that that information is uh, incorrect and that, you know, the average gun owner is pretty freaking normal. Yeah, yeah. Have you brought anyone from that mindset of being like a new gun owner all the way to like, hey, you should probably study some like small unit tactics and stuff? Or is that more a thing you do in your online kind of space? Both, both. Uh, I have some friends who when they started out were just into the gun scene and then we started training and training together and really working out more organizational stuff. And it was really good to see them grow and myself grow with them. And just figuring where our flaws were and just create, you know, that, that that family type environment where we can really trust each other with our backs. As well as more and more, like for my page, I very rarely see, you know, guns and gear comments and more like, hey, I'm having this issue when I'm training guys. Mm -hmm. uh, how do I finish, you know, the assault through or more just asking for, you know, life advice or uh, advice for getting people into this, which is, you know. I expect, um, it, as well as guys asking more, you know, tough questions that can't necessarily be answered unless you're in that moment. Um, and that's really, uh, inspiring to see. No, seriously, like giving people kind of a little bit more confidence to maybe go out and I mean, God, it's, it sounds a little bit sad when you have to walk back the idea of certain things that need to be trained or practiced, but you know, it's just kind of a, a sign of the state of where we're at in terms of where the average American and especially the American gun owners kind of skill set is. And sadly, if you talk about even cold camping to a whole lot of gun owners, they're like, wait, 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 we're going to be out in the woods without a fire all night. What if it gets cold? And you're like, oh, Jesus. Oh, guys, we have we have so much to do. Bless your hearts. But uh, I, I'm, I'm glad people are finally i don't want to say being humbled they, they are in certain cases but uh a lot more people are becoming switched on while it's still safe to you know stumble into this stuff and be like oh my god i'm so behind yeah <laughs> i did a post on what you kind of talked about it was called day zero idiots and it's yeah, like, yeah 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 <laughs> it, it hits a lot on that of you have these guys who don't necessarily have any grounding in reality um and you see that in any initial conflict anywhere. I use uh, Lebanon or as a, Iraq as a great example of you have all these uh, guys running into the streets with AKs, you know, taking pot shots at Marines and, you know, they get their brains blown out and 
after a while you're left with all these guys who are just doing this this dumb stuff you know like fighting from their house and it's like yeah everyone could track you down and figure out that's your house and now it's you know leveled with a drone but you see that same mentality here and it is dying that you get guys who are like yeah i'm just gonna return home for supper at seven get a nice eight hours of sleep pop up in the morning and then we'll just run out in the street find the bad guys and come home again yep i'm gonna choose the the perfect rifle for my day of work and i'm gonna come home to my big old stack of ammunition and etc etc yeah and you know it's i don't understand it it's really fantasy uh if you got guys who are like oh i can just uh god i heard this one i can just sit in a chair with a machine gun and shoot down antifa (laughs) bro what are you talking about it's like dude Day day ninety of the Civil War, you're gonna be looking for the Antifa kids and like making plans together to <laughs> go and raid Dick's Sporting Goods because you've both run out of water filters. <laughs> yeah, not you're not even gonna make it to the fight because you're three hundred pounds. You're gonna die of a heart attack. <laughs> there is there is always that. You're gonna be asking the Chaz kids if they can maybe get one of their potted plant potatoes uh, <laughs> together for you. Like please, I need some starch. I'm dying. <laughs> I'll trade you five Funko Pops for. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's there's so much of that, and I'm I'm glad that we're maturing at a very rapid rate. And like you said, it's very much unfortunately due to the room temperature. But um, you know, it, I'm I I do wonder what the culture would look like if things weren't clearly getting worse and a little bit more unstable everywhere. If we would still be trapped in this kind of uh, global war on terror hangover where it's still very much, you know, blood makes the grass grow and rah, rah, I'm a, I'm a Spartan warrior because I own a rifle without, you know, I, I own one AR, I've got two mags for it, 500 rounds, no sling, no light, maybe, maybe a sight mark on it, but, you know, I'm, I'm bought into that warrior culture, I'm a gun owner, I've got, you know, it's such a strange juxtaposition between those guys who, like, you know, day zero idiot. That guy is a loot drop and probably not a very good one. No, but it'll keep the homies armed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, hey, your uh, your bolt just busted, didn't it? Grab his. <laughs> like, <laughs> we call it BRP, biological <laughs> resupply point. <laughs> oh fuck. But um, I know it, it's. What do they say? The not. I guess they say the meek will inherit the earth, but I guess it's going to be the, the bookworms who've actually, you know, spent their time studying. And obviously there is a balance between burying yourself in, in paperback after paperback, digesting, you know, like army field manuals and, and all the rest of it. But um, there is a hell of a difference between someone who considers that stuff and is doing the research and also trying to put it to practice in the field and someone who is their personality is i am a 2a guy and they have never considered any of that and it's it's terrifying to me that we could have been castrated so viciously to get to a point where those guys you know they've got all the gung-ho they need but (laughs) none of the ability or even even the like awareness to realize actually how combat ineffective they are yeah they they can barely do an up drill let alone fire maneuver (laughs) <laughs> it like the guy's never heard of an LDA he thinks it's the uh, Latino Diabetes Association or something <laughs> um, can, they, can they get diabetes? <laughs> I have no idea <laughs> um, but, uh, no it, I, I'm, I'm glad that 
more and more pages like yourself are, are emerging and you know it's it's all well and good to be like hey you know go and read the ranger handbook and then you chuck that in the lap of you know i mean christ even, even myself i'll look at it and be like all right a lot of this is just fucky fluff that we don't really need you know a lot of acronyms and all sorts of bullshit that's not going to translate very well if you read it out in the field with a group of guys so it's nice to see that there's clearly like a demand for it um from all the accounts popping up but also people with the ability you know they don't have to be former seal or green beret or boy scout or whatever it is uh they, they can read this stuff and then translate it for the for the wider audience and uh I'm thankful that exists in the culture. Yeah, and it's happening more and more. You're seeing dozens and dozens each day of more pages getting into this. And whether they completely walk the walk or talk the talk, kind of irrelevant, makes it perceived as more saturated within the culture. And that just starts to take off from there. Um, you know, you have one guy and he exposes his buddies to this who would normally be hesitant, but now he's making this page, so they kind of get into it, and now they do a page. Right. Oh, yeah, it's Hydra effect. <laughs> exactly, right? And that is that is the point, is to saturate this so much you can't really uh, drown it out of the noise because the noise from them becomes you know too loud, and then you just make it the common thing where it's weird to not know that. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously you have the interculture and intraculture, but like interculture now it's starting to become weird to not even remotely go out with a pack and do field craft. Um, hopefully we can it. do that too, where more guys can view it weird to not do like bounding drills and just basic stuff like that. But we'll get there. Oh, we, we most certainly are like more and more. I'll go out and more people will be coming out and joining us on a rock or, you know, a range day or whatever it is. And so many people, even if they're like very new to this stuff, like they've just got their first AR and it's just about ready to, you know, do some basic like bounding or whatever it is. There, there's such an enthusiasm and clear like they know it's important they know they know nothing but they you know that's a way better spot than being like i am a badass american warrior you know <laughs> like you are you're gonna be a day zero idiot molan labia <laughs> melon labia this episode is brought to you by Advanced Warfighting Solutions. Advanced Warfighting Solutions, they have quite literally everything that you need to be a lethal, super cool Instagram operator and also just a super cool actual operator or just a super cool civilian or just whatever the fuck you want. They have battle belts, plate carriers, assault packs, pretty much anything nylon. They got it. So be sure to check them out. Use code ARTMORE10 on an SMU war belt and you'll save some money. We don't get any kickback. You just save money. Huge thank you to them for supporting the show. How's it going, lads and ladies? I'm BR, producer of the show, here to take a quick break to tell you about our Patreon. Not only do we want to continue improving the quality of what we can do here on Iron War, but we want to push what we do all over at Seaburn Art, from the guides to pursuing video content and the lofty goal of having a space for our team to make it all happen, and the Patreon helps us get after it. But what's in it for you? Our Patreon subscribers enjoy five different tiers of exclusive perks, ranging from all of the content the lads would post on a pre-Zuckerberg Instagram, Downloadable high-resolution guides and targets, including Redcoats, Skinwalkers, John Harvey Kellogg, World Economic Forum, Cult Leaders, and more. Also, behind-the-scenes info like Nathan's personal art, spicy memes, and at our highest tier, get monthly art commissions created by Nathan himself. You can find our Patreon via the link in this episode's description at patreon.com slash seaburnart, or in the Seaburn Art page's bio on Instagram. Now let's get back to the show. No, it's great. You see those guys, uh you know, who are just new popping in, they get that eager smile on their face, but they're 
they're real with themselves and they're open to information and being told that they're wrong and it's okay to be wrong. You know, I need to make sure I maintain that as well. Like goes for anyone, but no, like absolutely. They basically check their ego at the door. And that is like the greatest thing ever because they just, they just become a sponge for information and they start spouting that information off to other people to keep spreading and spreading and spreading. And now eventually years later, you practically genocide proofed the United States of America and it starts spreading to other countries yes it's normalized for them to do stuff basically you create this viral effect that just takes a little longer it's it's really cool to watch like I, the amount of foreign followers i have is startling and like they're like hey i don't have a gun but i want to put this <laughs> stuff into practice yeah here's, dude here's a hindsight i made in an apartment i'm like wow that's pretty stellar man no seriously like I, i've had people from south america south korea like all over europe message and be like same exact thing like hey i don't have a gun but you know uh, how about some bushcraft stuff? Maybe rocking with a pack and like like Redbeard said something. Uh, Redbeard Tactical he posted something a little while ago in his story saying about how you know civilians all over the place, not just the U.S., should probably have some idea of how to function like a crew served weapon or like you know MGs and stuff that we can't necessarily get today. But who fucking knows when we're gonna become Syria? You know. <laughs> Exactly. I actually want to make a post on that as well, just propagating that. If, hey, man, no shit you don't even have. Like, I don't have an AK, but I better damn well know how to, like, at least field strip one. You know, Seriously. I, I better know where the controls on every modern service platform are, because they're pretty much all the same. And just, like, understanding how to use equipment, like, you know, vehicles and stuff and how they work. Because you never know, you might come across one and need to use it. Like, it, it'd be useful to know how to drive stick. Right. It'd be useful to know how to turn on a Humvee or useful to know how to use like a PKM or something. You know, it, the situation may present itself. It may seem very unlikely now, but the future holds many unknowns. Yeah. And that exact kind of mindset that not just prepper, but kind of, you know, you, no one's coming to help, man. Like you're the only one who's going to be, be there to figure it out. That mindset perforating the culture more and more. And and also, um, what you said a minute ago about there kind of being this openness to being like, I know nothing, and I need to learn stuff, please help, is so much better than where we were at just a few years ago, where it was very much like, you know, if you don't come to the table with, you know, SF kind of <laughs> uh, mentality and, and knowledge, like, well, you're on your own, you're fucked, you know, it's all very exclusive and all very lockdown and uh and and especially with the culture of uh mill and law enforcement only classes that is getting shat upon heavily now it's like why why don't you want american civilians to know potentially life-saving stuff man what, what the fuck's wrong with you dude yeah and it's gotten to the point where like now the le classes are switching around to like less shooting and more like dealing with situations they deal with on the job is what i've seen and noticed and it's much different from like, hey, you know, here's this tactical stuff we're going to cover, but only for you guys. It's much yeah. more like job oriented is what I've seen. But yeah, like the, the no one's coming to save you mentality perforates even within like these guys who are, you know, like perceived as experts. Uh, for example, I talk with a lot of the guys like, you know, Operator, Nickison X, Redbeard. And like other guys like that, like, hey, I have this question. I don't have a freaking answer. Like, I need some help. Um, and they may not have answers either. It might just be a subjective kind of decision. Right. And everyone's learning. Like, you're not going to get to the point where you're never 
not learning. And if you do, like you're doing something completely wrong. Absolutely. Um, it's that uh, Dunning-Kruger effect. The more you know, the more you realize you don't know. Yeah, that, that that's something a lot of young guys definitely like. If you're 18, 19, whatever it is, you're, you're military age and you've thankfully turned down the military for something a bit more fulfilling. And you're wondering like, oh, fuck, you know, how do I get all of this knowledge? That is the right mindset as opposed to like, you know, I need to have it all spoon fed to me and I need to know it all now and I need to go and do all the fast guy shit. It's, it's great to be operating from a, a point of self-aware ignorance and being like, okay, I have knowledge to pursue rather than, okay, I think I've got it all because you, you don't. <laughs> I think all of us will be old and gray and being like, all right, what, what to read on next? You, you know what your capabilities are and aren't right? You're very rural with that. So like, if you have to make a, for example, a 500 meter shot and you're like, Hey, I've never shot to even 200. You know, your chances are unlikely rather than being <laughs> a guy who has all the confidence in the world, but none of the skill to back it up. Yeah. Being in a situation where you have to make like a, yeah, 500 yard shot, whatever it is first shot. And you're like, <laughs> it's never going to happen. Like that, that's uh a hell of a lot better than being relied on to take that shot and just being, you know, all bravado about it. Yeah, exactly. Even like knowing your equipment as well. Uh, you get some guys like it's still getting ironed out. Like it's not as big of a deal as I used to see, but like, Hey, my equipment's just as good. Then you put them through like a course of breaking contact and now their gun's so hot, <laughs> like sheared off. Oh, those, those failures are beautiful when they happen during training because <laughs> you're like thank fuck that happened right now so we can all laugh about it and point and be like hey let's let's fix that buddy rather than oh well he's dead fuck he's just dead weight for me now <laughs> like the whole, the whole team's fucked because he didn't know what the, what he was doing or or didn't have the right equipment or hadn't put it through any hard conditions like we had tap a couple rack, guys James, tap rack yeah it's in half what the fuck do you mean but um <laughs> we had a couple guys it, it was like a very very minor thing very you know capable guys who've you know military experience and everything but we were out on a on a desert rock i think i talked about this last episode so sorry guys for the repeat but they came out for a, a desert rock and had uh, i think like ultimas and like bands on or some shit out in the desert and whew, they had some rough times we were doing a, a little like night patrol and ooh, just i can't imagine I, I heard a lot of stumbling behind me. Bless him. Yeah, great but, shoe. Uh, Not great if you've ever done like a 12-mile rock. That, yeah. that will eat you alive. Your knees will be stabbing you in the face. Yeah, yeah. They would be tearing up maybe on a ship, but not not the desert with a bunch of hills and rocks and loose gravel and shit. They, they were eating it a little bit. But uh, bless him. You know, it, it happened in a, you know, inconsequential situation. And they're like, okay, well, I know this, 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 and this. This kit was fucked up and messing me up uh yeah we're gonna correct that yeah it's so much better than guys will get this new piece of gear like a backpack and they'll load it up and they'll be like i can't strip this apart because it's it's good the way it is but they don't really know and they just are in reality they're scared to test it out um i'm seeing that get you know shoved away and telling guys like hey it's okay to fuck up like <laughs> don't feel bad um you know, it's it probably won't work the first time you pack your rock. You'll probably have to play around with it a couple dozen times before you really understand how to do those things with any pack you get. Or oh, dude, you, <laughs> I you set up and you can't reach uh, your compass or whatever, right? 
yeah i you know i wanted to join in the americans because everyone seems to have such a love for the alice pack so i bought one just for you know just for funsies it damn near fucking killed me holy shit oh do tell i just for whatever reason like uh i guess i guess british packs are a little bit different i, I don't think i'd ever used an external frame pack i'd only used internal frames because that's what all like british bergens are and i don't know i so i'd also i was also trying to be cute because i didn't have uh those core ice plates yet so i had a camelback rigged up like jerry rigged into the frame uh to cool my back as i was hiking i was like oh yeah that's that'll work uh it was just a fucking mess dude it was it was a very the rough one of the roughest rocks of my life and i was just eating shit and clearly being you know like like a hassle for the team and uh just because i i was adjusting it and it was killing me and all that kind of thing so but again happened in a on an inconsequential you know weekend trip no one died i just got embarrassed and gassed and that's perfect <laughs> now just imagine the guys who think they don't need a pack going out with like a jan sport <sighs> bless them bless them three mags in the canteen <laughs> maybe a bivy if they're lucky yeah like uh, oh no no, no. I, I won't be out all night i'll be fine Okay, okay, man. Okay. <laughs> I, just, I hear the drone flying overhead already. <laughs> it was nice knowing you. Uh, don't text this number again. <laughs> uh, CIA wants to know your location. <laughs> oh my god, I I could get into tracking all that. Kids, buy a Faraday bag, please. A little a little Faraday bag for your phone. That's that's my PSA for the day um the government knows when you masturbate but uh they do <laughs> um so i wanted to get into kind of your uh, your mission statement which i feel is um perhaps a little bit spicy like for a lot of people would hear what we're talking about now and be like this is great i love it i love where this is going but then if they perhaps read your mission statement on your or what i'm calling your mission statement kind of your bio on instagram they might then have you know that then the fud might creep in so um for those of you, for those who haven't read it demystifying gorillas marksmen and snipers to enable laymen to defend their homeland effectively so gorillas marksmen and snipers that sounds kind of insurgency you know that speaking from the mind of like someone who's because i just saw this on uh pacific northwest gorillas post he was saying about um he posted some comment from a veteran saying like you know, what are you guys doing preparing for... The presumption is always civil war, but, you know, unrest, whatever it might be. Like, you guys are going against our oath to the Constitution. It's like, like, buddy, you don't understand what the fuck you signed up for at that point. Like, <laughs> like... Oh, but, my God, I need to teach him a lesson. You know, John Paul Jones, Francis Marion. You know, Francis Marion basically pioneering modern guerrilla warfare. Ex yeah, that that's the thing that so many second amendment people and i'm really bashing them today but it's out of love but like, like the average second amendment person you know when you think of gorillas and kind of like pretty brutal um you know not one standard fighting force against another but when it's an insurgency of marksmen and snipers taking pot shots at people and fucking off you know a lot of a lot of guys who 
a kind of second amendment type. This might be like, you know, that's a very dishonorable way to fight or <laughs> whatever. And it's like, dude, that is how this country was built. Exactly. Uh, you got guys, uh, for example, with the American muskets had ranges of 100 to 300 yards compared to the, uh, English blunderbusses, which are really only shotgun range, you know, 25, 50. And these guys would just take pot shots, run down the road, wait for them to come back, take another pot shot, run down the road, keep doing it. And you see this concept being pushed over and over and over. And what you have is an effective, somewhat effective strategy for how someone with lesser numbers and skills can effectively put an enemy with much greater power and reach, uh, essentially paralyze them, right? Yeah. Um, You see this in Afghanistan. Uh, there's some guys out there who'll tell you there's, you know, Tally taking shots at 100 and these uh, guys will follow their standard fire and maneuver plan. So they'll basically start to maneuver on where they thought that sniper was. Now they're taking pot shots from a second sniper. And now you have these talking snipers going back and forth, back and forth. And you have a hundred man element being pinned down. Yeah, by two 16 year olds in sandals. Shooting <laughs> 1942 Lee Enfields. Yep. <laughs> And not that someone should do that in such, that situation, but like it, it can be done. It has been done. And that's where I started to focus in on what is the most force multiplying person with an unconventional force. And it's the sniper. Mm. Um, sure. Like a typical sniper does 90% observation and recording and 10% shooting. Right. But uh, from the combat perspective of the unconventional soldier he can really amplify his skills by minimizing his rounds sent down range and just being very precise with his targeting and that's kind of what my strategy was was looking at how can i give people the tools that makes them as competent as possible to defend themselves from an outside force that wants to wipe them off the face of the earth and i said the sniper right because i can minimize my labor input minimize my round sit down range and somewhat minimize my skill needed to project power and you again you have guys taking pot shots at platoon company size elements and keeping them at bay uh for 30 cents a round right yeah yeah like the, the, the sniper, if you were trying to, as, as we've talked about, and I really like the uh, the term genocide proof is cropping up more and more. I, I saw uh, T-Rex Arms use it recently. Um, but genocide proof is 100% what it is. And if you are, you know, the boot trying to stomp on someone's neck, and as you go to round up the distance into boxcars, you know, you're taking, you, you don't know if your officers or your leadership are going to take a round as you do that, that's going to really stifle your efforts. And that could be, you know, like a handful of dudes in a city could hold the whole fucking place down. And just, you never know if it's going to be safe to, you know, perform your, your genocidal operations and shit in the city. You're, you're like, we, we might be here at any point with, and, and so it's interesting. A lot of people, are. I don't know, moving into kind of what does a modern civilian unit look like? Like there's been a little bit of discussion about kind of, you know, support weapons and marksmen and all of that kind of thing, what we can use to supplement what a civilian, you know, setup would look like. But 
focusing in on on the marksmen and snipers is is interesting. I personally, I hadn't really thought about it as much, uh, disappointingly. But um, no, I I really like that approach. So there there was two reasons for more of the uh, marksman approach as well, and that was looking at the lack of fully automatic and belt fed weapons within the civilian populace. And I really wanted an answer to this two years ago. And I was looking for how groups have supplemented the lack of full auto capability. And it came down to the marksman of giving a higher range rifle or higher power rifle and have them pick off isolated or important targets. I noticed the Chechens did this uh, during their first and second conflict. They would replace their, uh, they didn't have like the PKMs or anything like that. They just used more SVD rifles. Hmm. And basically just have separate teams and just pick off uh, optics, uh, leaders, and any specialist weapons to the Russian side. And now you have groups that are completely cut off at the neck, you know, no leadership there, and basically have no force multiplying weapons within their capability. Hmm. Uh, the second part came down to standoff range. If my enemy is capable of accurate shots out to 300, why shouldn't I start learning how to shoot? to four or 500 and beyond yep. that way I can put myself out of standoff range. And now I'm shooting accurate rounds where they're just kind of lobbing them into no man's land. Yeah. And that's, that's going to be a hell of a lot better for, you know, logistics and resources. Like that's a hell of a lot less bullets you're putting down compared to a support weapon. And if you're exactly. a inferior fighting force, that's less to carry, less to, less to source all the rest of it. Just better bang for buck. Yeah. Doesn't mean that full auto weapons shouldn't be there. It's just like if you don't have them, like this is a great way to apply a strategy to conflict, right? Just put guys out of standoff range. Mm. Hmm. Just my two cents. No, no, I lo I love it, and uh, I've seen like a few pages kind of getting into that more and more, and also kind of treading not not necessarily away from small unit tactics but more into kind of what would be a more kind of sensible investment in terms of uh you know strategies to make a civilian rifleman useful in the kind of modern environment like uh i think it's covert arms the page where uh you know you're seeing guys run around with uh you know like real simple civilian bags and high-vis vests and no one blinks twice at them and you know, white vans with a, a tripod set up in the back and all that kind of stuff. And kind of, it's it's interesting to see, because we've seen, you know, that the last few wars have been, you know, a, a vastly superior technology-wise fighting force against a technologically dated fighting force. And we're kind of seeing the same thing in Ukraine. So there hasn't been much reference for what a conflict would look like in the quote-unquote first world. We're steadily devolving from that. But uh what that's going to look like if a conflict like Syria broke out in our streets, you know? It's definitely concerning just that we even have to be there. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Seeing guys break out into more of the scenario planning and more of into the, I'd say, what's the word I'm looking for? Like problem solving? Problem solving, definitely. Um, some of the neglected portions of like actual mission planning and saying like, Hey, I have this scenario. How would I go about doing this? And maybe it's not fully planned out, but you seeing with guys, you know, shooting out of their vehicles and just trying new stuff. Um, 
taking from other groups and fighters who've done this, you know, how would they do this? How would they get comfortable doing this? Could they sneak into a random apartment complex and set up an observation post? Is that possible for them? Um, A lot more higher level thinking. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny the kind of ideas and techniques that come about when instead of like, uh, you know, grossly inflated uh, DOD budget, you just have brains and, you know, kind of everyday items and what's immediately accessible to you to, to make do. And obviously, you know, like a, the average person's amount of, you know, monetary resources, it, it makes a big fucking difference. But you still see solutions that would probably give the Pentagon and all of their spending and research and, you know, decades of time a run for their money, <laughs> which is what makes insurgents so effective in the first place. Yeah, the, the ability to innovate cannot be understated. Uh, if you look at like the Lebanon war, they had all their communications knocked out by the government. So what they did was took their FM alarm clocks and inserted a couple parts and basically turned them into two-way radios. <laughs> Fucking hell. Right? You have this innovation. 80% ham radios. Exactly. You, you see guys, uh, uh, the cable gets pulled by the government. Now they uh, reverse engineer their satellite dishes and pump out their own TV. And people start tuning in and you essentially have an idea that formats and it can't be quashed because you can't just throw guns and boots at it and stomp it out. Right, people are pissed off for a reason. Yeah, um, you have to address that reason. You can't just say no, you're wrong. La 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 la. <laughs> also, here's some, you know, boots with guns. We're gonna quell you. You're really just saying they're right, and that you're scared and you can't address their issues. <laughs> Immediately, um, that moment when the uh, the cops were walking through an American city with those uh, those pepper paintball guns and like yeah yeah that video just instantly came to mind like (laughs) get back inside light them up like oh my god like we're just gonna solve the problem with a boot it doesn't uh, work it it never has worked we're gonna try it again buddy one one more time for democracy come on now (laughs) big oil's got this one yeah i thought it was big farmer who's who's getting the tab Oh gosh! <laughs> should, we, should, we, should, we, should we just put our cards in the in the tub and play roulette? Military industrial complex comes out of left field, just slams a metal AMX on the table. It's like, don't worry, I got it. <laughs> I got this one. I got this one, kids. Don't worry. Been making money longer than all of you motherfuckers. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So, something that I really love that you've done is the skill tree. So that's something I wanted to touch on a little bit because. Um, as we've been touching on, so many people are still getting into this, but even even to me, I'm still fucking overwhelmed. I, I don't know about you, but like every time, just as we were talking about, every time I, I'm like, all right, I'm getting a good grasp on these, you know, I feel pretty confident to teach, you know, one or two things, help compound that knowledge for myself, help spread it. And then I'll just open a door to a whole new thing. And I'm like, I'm a fucking idiot. But this skill tree is this post of yours. Is, is a wonderful way to get people started. But um, what kind of made you set that up? So it was a big idea of how can I best give guys the tools and direction they need so they can take off their se- themselves and don't need outside input. Um, and looking at projects, you're going to see a lot more projects like that from here on out. Of mm. How can I, it's a very like commander's day, way of looking at things of how can I give guys the tools and knowledge they need so they can kind of take off on their own journey and don't really need to focus on the 
low brain stuff, they can focus on the higher level activities, right? So like giving guys like an op ord format is a great example mm. of that uh, operations order so they can plan and don't have to focus on what should they plan. They can just like, oh, hey, there's a template. This works. We'll take this out because it doesn't apply to us. We'll add this because it does apply to us. And now they don't have to focus on the nitty gritty. They can just focus on their energies better. And the skill tree was a project to target that specifically in that guys are getting flooded with all these different topics they need to cover and they get too overwhelmed and they don't know where to start. So they don't start at all. And this gets says like, Hey, here are skills you definitely need, right? At different levels of leadership. And this will allow you to say, oh, hey, I could check this box off. I understand this topic enough. Maybe it's time to better divert my energy. I mean, you can kind of stick with the uh, Proteo principle of 20% of your effort accomplishes 80% of your goal. Mm. And it, it just allows for more efficiencies and a somewhat standardized list. Uh, this list was created with Redbeard, Nick Asinic, and Operator. Um, I appreciate them for helping with this. And... We basically create a project that gives guys three levels of experience. A private, your boot, uh, gives them the tools and uh, direction towards knowledge that they would need at a very base. Uh, no questions asked, uh, no variation in that. Like They need these skills and to be able to do this. And then taking that a step further to adding leadership and planning into that with like NCO levels of, hey, now you got you know two to four guys below you how do you start to organize them? What are some things you need to start looking into? And then taking that even a step farther into like an officer level of, hey, now you not only have to do everything below you, but you have to be like a good people person, a good speaker. Uh, you have to address things that aren't tactical at all, right? You're going to have to um, essentially manage different staff levels, who, guys who have different skills, not just guys who can hold a gun, but guys who can collect intelligence, guys who can farm and guys who can transport stuff and understanding their strengths and weaknesses um, and basically be responsible for a lot more people than yourself. Yeah. Get a, a very uh, top-down perspective of the entire processes that are going at hand and not just focusing on the things that are straight ahead of you, but looking you know, a year or five years down the road. Yeah, I I love it, dude. It's such a good document that you guys put together because when you're, I know guys who've been doing this for you know a decade or longer. I know guys have been doing it you know six months, and everyone's you know it's such a mixed ability group in terms of uh, in, in like the civilian world when you're going out and training with guys, and it's wonderful for that. But also, it's so hard to kind of get an idea of you know on an individual level. If you're out training with a bunch of new guys, it's like, am I like slowing down? Is there anything I could be building on myself, you know, to help, to help me and to help these guys in terms of advancing myself? So I'm not just stagnating and kind of getting everyone to my level, but still developing. And then there's also times where you'll be, you know, you'll be with a very high speed group of guys. and You're like, I am. <sighs> there's a lot between me and you. And I have no idea what the fuck it is because it seems like just an insurmountable thing but this this list is i think what a lot of people need so this is going out on two podcasts so if you're listening check out reaper one one actual and make sure you check out the skill tree post 
because if you're if you're terrified of starting or or just you know really wondering what it looks like what the journey looks like this is a very good idea of kind of i i guess really what kind of the the militia was all about you know like for in a, from a very i don't, don't want to say like academic kind of point but it's just very well put together and a very well-rounded idea of what one individual should be capable of if they're serious about this stuff exactly just make sure they're competent enough in enough areas to where one you could be put with a different group if you never worked with before, yes. and they have a standard to hold you to of like you don't know how to use a compass but you focused on your your long range shooting like that's great but you can't navigate now so making sure you're a well-rounded individual and that allows you to be plug and play with different groups and allows uh you to handle a variety of situations so you're not just a one-trick pony absolutely yeah being being the guy who like is just the cook and you kind of lean on that is you know not hurting or not helping anyone but actually pushing yourself and being like damn, I, I really wish I could help out with the radios more. Or, you know, I, I wish I wasn't just using this as an excuse to kind of get out of those duties, which, you know, I'm sure all of us have done at some point and been like, fuck, if I end up doing that, I'm going to screw everyone over, you know? Yeah, and it, it's just holding yourself to those expectations of not getting too deep in the ruts with any one subject, right? You should be well-rounded no matter what specialization you're going to choose, right? If you're going to be that cook... Or that farmer, great. That's awesome. Stellar. Go for it. I encourage you. But you should be well-rounded in these skills as well, right? Everyone is a rifleman. Doesn't mean that is your job, but you should be expected to perform those duties should it be needed. You know, whether it's the Los Zetas cartel running into your town or if it's the Russian army coming into your <laughs> town, you, you should be ready to take them on and not just some helpless soy jack hiding behind his wife hoping that some <laughs> Superman, great man comes to save you, because guess what? No one's coming to save your ass. 100%. On a, on a lighter topic, another thing that I really love amongst your guides was the hobo signs, I think it was. Oh, that one. That was a lot of fun. Like Stuff like that is, I think, a really unique part of what you do with your guides is kind of not just the combination of like we're just translating the ranger handbook but stuff like that that's kind of applicable especially if we're talking about kind of a you know potentially an american conflict or, or a more western conflict where you know there are cultural things that we know about that we can apply you know to the real world and can put to use and stuff as simple as that like hobo marks and kind of have an idea of uh, if if there is actually um i haven't seen any where i'm at I've I've been looking when I've been doing any urban exploration or in in a rough part of town, but um, I don't know. I guess it's not a thing out here. But if it was, you know, great knowledge to have. Look at it this way: take it from like a broader perspective of how do I communicate without being present, and that oh, yes. allows you a way to do it to where it can either be cryptic and no one knows what you're saying, or B it could be a line on a mail post uh, on the sidewalk or any building you know it's just like a graffiti single line and that could tell your boys hey i had to leave because of danger you know like there's a yeah. riot down my street or something and now guys can communicate with you or have some plan rather than you just running outside with your hair on fire and no one knows where you're at and there's no coordination whatsoever it's thinking through that pace plan yeah the uh yeah the idea of um establishing a system with your family too like whew, when i'm sure 
anyone who's run through those kind of doomsday scenarios of, you know, I have to get off the X and just bolt. And it's like, there, there was a show on in the UK for the longest time about um, people who would run from, essentially, I, I think they were actually like law enforcement. They had like a team of, I don't know if they were former or current or whatever it was, but they were like this basically uh, 1984 Big Brother tracking kind of cops. And they would um, they would hunt like volunteers and they had to evade these people to win money. And the thing, no matter how skilled, like these could be ex-Marines or like, you know, former private investigators who knew all the fucking tricks to be slippery. What would always fuck them up was communicating back with their family. They would always bust and fucking call them and you know that would be it fuck themselves i'm like that was on a that was on a fucking show when they were competing for money on tv and there was no danger so imagine people in a real conflict where they have to fuck off and you know people are separated from loved ones like that and it's a dangerous situation stuff like this is fantastic it's very humbling to think about those scenarios because you realize how unprepared you are yeah that's okay like I, I, I have many areas I need to hit. Um, I'm not going to gloat and say otherwise. Like I have many areas I need to hit. Um, and thinking of those scenarios of how do you plan for this, right? It, it allows you some confidence and safety. Like yeah. you're going to, it's like having a, uh, you know, jumper kit, like a, you know, those batteries that you could rejump your car with. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like having one of those or like, um, just being prepared in general, like you have some confidence about you because you know that any random situation out there, you could handle pretty well. Um, for example, like having a fallback plan in case there's, you know, violence, a fire, earthquake, um, you know, great flood or something like that. You could know, hey, this is where I need to look for my family. If I go there, they're not there. Then I'll check the second point. Um, yeah, just having that planning and forward thinking. Yeah, I, we're we're creatures of anxiety, you know. It's it's how we've lived this long, and when you, like, fortunately, we we developed our brains a little bit more, so we can have contingency plans to answer that anxiety. And you know, that's if you have the ability and resources to build those contingency plans and make sure they're you know set. Whew. If you're like me, and I I assume how how you are, and how many of our listeners are, and just very very prepper minded and very alert and concerned about you know the situation of the world and all that kind of thing you know potentialities it's oh when you when you get some decent you know water storage set aside or or a a good you know three months of food stocked away like introducing my girlfriend to prepping when i first showed her that idea like when the lockdowns first started and it sounded like they were gonna send in the fucking guard and all the rest of it and you know stuff the shelves were empty instantly she understood kind of the security of that and you know it's the same thing when you get your first gun you're like and you have to walk through a dodgy spot for the first time when you're carrying and you're like oh wow this is a entirely different scenario than it would have been and the more you can do that especially with stuff you know simple as this like you know you get separated from your family in whatever the awful situation is having some plan in place think of the different world you're going to be living through where you're like okay i'm just going to go here or here, or make this mark, or whatever, and let them know I'm I'm good, but I don't necessarily have to, you know, have a phone or internet or electricity or whatever it is. So mm-hmm. you can even you know like leave a mark saying, "Hey, I stopped by here. I left to go somewhere else. I'll be back." 
like just yeah. stuff like that. Like it, it, I think Arizona and Canada both lost a lot of cell service a few weeks ago, and it's you can't rely on infrastructure. Mm. I didn't know. I didn't know we lost some fucking cell stuff. <laughs> I'm going up in the woods, so I'm gonna. I mean, I'll I'll be fine, but. It's just, it's just things like that. You're seeing Vegas run out of water. Um, yep. A lot of bad things, but on the same note, you're seeing a lot of people starting to take steps to prepare for that. And that's a really, a really big white pill because the more people that are prepared, the less shock you'll feel um, from any crazy event. For example, like hurricanes, like if everyone had a generator and extra water, like very few people are going to start to rush the stores, which leaves more for the people who can't normally get to that stuff. Yeah. And then if you have surplus, your buddy's surplus, you could trade, barter, sell, whatever you have you. Um, it just makes the community better off, right? It, prepping and storing and all this kind of stuff. Uh, it's not necessarily a long-term final solution, but it definitely gives you a huge buffer to... You're basically buying time to make decisions. So if you have like a long-term event, like say uh, Bosnia-Serbia, uh you can at least start to plan and make decisions rather than being forced to go to the store on day two of the balloon going up because you didn't have enough, I don't know, water. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. The word you used a few moments ago was humbling and you mentioning like, uh, you know, it being a long-term thing. I, I think about it a lot, but I also generally my prepping is, you know, you're, you're hoping for the short term, but, like you might have to, you know, something might happen and the final kind of uh, solution to your situation is setting up a fucking farm because guess what? No more food is being produced. Like it's just, it's just done. Society is broken down to that point. It's on you guys. And, you know, you go, it's, it's a wild fucking world. And obviously no one's in that perfect spot where they're prepared for every eventuality, but who knows, you know? And that takes us to the next step of realizing you can't necessarily do everything. Mm. Uh, you need a group and friends and a network of people. They don't even have to be friends. They could just be uh, acquaintances, just knowing people and networking, right? It's not necessarily what you know, it's who you know. And if you know yes. a lot of people and have good relationships with them, that opens you up to better opportunities in the future. So if you have a farmer down the street, maybe you don't you know, know him like a best friend, a friend, but you're cordial and friendly with him. And his decision is sell my last cow to the guy who talks to me and lives <laughs> down the street or the guy who's just offering me money and will probably stab me in the back and kill me later. Right. Who's he going to choose? Yeah. No, seriously. Community is one of the best tools in the preppers kit. It, it's strange how there's always, there's been kind of for the longest time, this culture of paranoia and being a hermit as a prepper, but it's like, Dude, you need to you need to take a note from the hippies and kind of commune it out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and you get guys with different skill sets, and that is a way of prepping in itself, right? Maybe you know you and I aren't mechanics, but we got a mechanic buddy, and we could trade something with him, or just out of the goodness of his own heart, he'll help us out with anything. Um, that that makes us better off. So those issues we can't take ourselves. Now we have a subject matter expert or a guy who's capable of in the areas we lack take over when we need help yeah if you take anything away from this it's get a faraday bag skill tree and build community <laughs> <laughs> just just keep a, everyone oh sorry and get it right in the rain 
Oh, yes, yes. Get a right in the rain. Otherwise, you're not going to make it. <laughs> All right. Um, so I thought we would uh, wrap up with some questions. Send it. All right. Um, listener questions. for uh, This is like a not, a not an art and war thing. This is a VR thing, but you guys are going to have to deal with it. Um, so someone asks, do you think USPSA has any value or does it negatively affect shooting in real life? I, I don't, Do you shoot any kind of stuff like that? No competitive, but I honestly say, why the hell not? Um, I see no reason as to why it would hurt putting yourself under a time commitment to meet a score and really challenge, challenge your marksmanship when you're running around. Like, that's great, man. And plus, it, shooting is America's sport, so continue to push that over sports balls. Yeah, yeah. Something that, I mean, Christ, people are even celebrating Airsoft a lot more than... Uh than they used to we there was like a full 180 on on committing to that sport now it's like well i mean you know obviously you're only shooting someone kind of less than under 100 feet away but a hell of a lot of other stuff applies so yeah what you're going to see in the future actually is more sport related activities in this kind of realm i say this for example there are utm matches in las vegas and i really see that taking off I I think so. I, there's a market for it. There's a fucking massive market for it. Dude, You're gonna you get so much with that. You could do it like paintball style. You could do like CQB style. You could do um, Rainbow Six Siege like style. <laughs> like oh, you could have so much fun with that. Oh yeah, I mean Europeans will be tuning in for that. You know, not so. Yeah, that that'll get big, especially with all of this. Uh, I don't know. The MLG shit got big. Why wouldn't we want to see people shoot each other in real life? Exactly. <laughs> um someone else asks uh who is reaper's favorite historical gorilla to read about francis marion um the reason is i'll harp on him a lot is because he took ethics into a place where they there were no principles or ethics um what i mean by that is in the carolinas during the revolutionary war a lot of people were looking for revenge uh, you're seeing less states versus the english colonies and more brother versus brother neighbor versus neighbors type stuff like hey you took my horse so i'm gonna burn down your house and kill mm -hmm. your wife um and he basically came in and said we're doing none of this uh, i will not tolerate it i will punish anyone who does <laughs> anyone he caught um as a uh, not a spy but like anyone he caught uh captured after a battle or anything he would treat them very cordially invite them to dinner sit down with them um, and then just send them on their way uh, rather than scalping them and hanging them from a tree. He treated them like human beings and basically took away from his enemies, the Tories and the English of the propaganda war of calling him like a monster or anything like that, mm. because these guys fighting for the Tories or the English were now were being captured and seeing this guy for the first time who they were told it was a monster and just killing and raping and pillaging. And he's like offering them the same food he's eating and just treating them like human beings. Um, and it really takes away that that weight from the propaganda war. Damn, that is, that, I'm glad you answered that like that, because it reminded me of a question that I completely fucking missed, which was um, kind of something you spoke about recently, which was uh, kind of the propaganda war from the insurgent or resistance side or whatever the smaller forces and um kind of you know the role of combat photographers and videographers and and all of that kind of 
content within an insurgency, which was really fascinating to me because it's kind of what I'm trying to do with my stuff. But um, I don't know, like, have have what have you looked into in terms of um, kind of the history of that or like any any insurgencies or otherwise that have done that particularly well? I'm really looking at it from the strategic perspective. What what is done by different groups to rally different demographics, for example, like the difference between children and adults versus teens and looking at how they recruit and essentially propagandize those different demographics, seeing how groups will commit different psychological operations against each other. One that sticks out for that in my head is in Iraq, this one um, leader was meeting with an American general. So this one intermediate party who didn't want that meeting to happen, basically climbed up this tower and took pot shots at the general um, <laughs> to make it look like the group that was meeting was just using it as an assassination attempt and causing this whole conundrum between, between the groups and looking at how different institutions will do that. I mean, like look at ghost of Kiev. People are like, Oh, this is so stupid. I'm like, you're missing the entire point. The entire point is to rally the people and, create this air of disinformation to which you know russian forces have to sort through and it just creates a nuisance mm. and seeing more things like that of just how do you um convert different groups i mean look at a you can look at it from a three-part group people who are totally against you no matter what you do whatsoever uh people who are for or against you doesn't really they don't really know yet they need one over and guys who are totally for you and how you market the service or product you're offering, which is, you know, revolution, peace, stability, whatever have you. And how do you pitch it that your approach to that is the way to go and that they should quote unquote, buy your product, you know, side mm. with you. Um, basically looking at it like a marketer. Yeah, no, seriously. Like that being kind of, you know, of, of all the skill sets I could have, and then also be interested in kind of the, you know, the tactical and small unit tactics world, I, I've always considered it like 99% useless until kind of uh, one for my own purposes on my page, kind of doing quote unquote combat photography and showing a glimpse of what we do when we go out and do kind of, you know, civilian rifleman style training and rocking and all the rest of it and kind of being like, oh no, you can do this without signing up for the war machine. And, you know, something as simple as that can change minds a hell of a lot better than just preaching at people but then something else that i think i I brought up commenting on your post was the fact that if someone does want to kick off something like kind of the (laughs) of all the things that come to mind uh the early isis days was um their fucking videography campaign was brutal because they were they were filming everything they were doing like every little gunfight and every little victory it looked like they were just fucking crushing everything even though i'm sure they had like awful casualties and stuff when there was resistance but like and obviously they swept but that's the the point uh, that is the absolute point like yeah 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 yeah. we're like well it's not truthful it's like yeah that's the point (laughs) yeah it doesn't fucking matter it looks good right part of the reason of propaganda is to make yourself look bigger and more prevalent than you actually are Uh, if you have 10 guys make it look like a thousand Mm. alternatively you could look at it from the different disinformation portion if i have a thousand guys make it look like 10 right mm. have your enemy so he never knows what he's looking at that's some uh sun Tzu right there if i remember oh, yeah. correctly 
<laughs> I love it. Um, no, seriously, like, and uh, if if it's very early days in some kind of breakout, and you've got um, you know, the active guys and the inactive guys who are like, you know, they could be doing what the active guys are doing, but they're they're not ready yet. If you've got the act, the, a small number of active guys really putting out that it's it's all kicking off, like this is the time, even though it's you know fifty guys or whatever, and instead of the thousand they need, all of a sudden you might get that thousand from a bunch of enthusiastic people thinking it's kicked off. Yeah, or they didn't know that there were other people like them out there, so they have a mm-hmm. sense of identity and purpose. Um, mm-hmm. Something they can yeah. belong to. Yeah, that that is fascinating to me because obviously it's not you know it's not just heroes and good guys practicing that it's it's in every fucking war there's an element of marketing and like a really really intense amount of marketing actually that every fucking war has to be marketed in some form or well, multiple ways really and uh i don't know like your post really uh brought that to the forefront for me and kind of made me reanalyze even what i'm doing because i you know i know it's for I'll say it on my page, it's it's propaganda, you know, and it's meant to kind of incite a certain reaction to it and kind of get people to be more active. But no, very interesting to analyze it with that perspective. Exactly. I mean, look at uh, it's it garners more attention to certain topics that may not have been brought up before. But uh, again, also gives guys that uh, realization that they're not alone and they're looking for this information. They could share it with their buddies. And it starts to take off from there. And really the goal is to not just have one hub, but basically uh, you have this emergent organization where you have all these groups who are loosely networked with each other and coordinating, but not with some central head, which can be cut off, right? They've already gathered the information and they can spread it between each other. Um, Nice and decentralized. Exactly. As all Um, good things in life are. And you see that with different propaganda efforts. Uh, Look at, uh, are you familiar with Juba? Juba, I'm not, I don't think. So Juba was a really big propaganda effort in Iraq. Um, and I in no way condone his activities. I <laughs> there, but this is just an analysis, right? Let's just be students of the game here. Yeah. It was viewed as one sniper who was video recording all these shots against uh, soldiers and Marines. And for the longest time, it was believed it would be one guy. In reality, they uh, they shot two of these guys who were recording uh, after they shot, and I think like a month later, another video comes out, and they realize uh, this Juba guy wasn't one sniper. It was essentially a bunch of snipers following the original guy who was taking <laughs> shots and recording, and now they also like basically just flew under the same name. So in reality, they had multiple guys doing this, uh, and what it did for recruiting efforts was basically like triple the quota they needed per month during this campaign. And what you have is not only bringing guys into the fold, you're demoralizing because you have this big, huge army and now they're not untouchable, right? These uh, lowly dirt farmers can put a hole in them and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, So you're addressing multiple fronts here and showing people that like, hey, you know, we're we're Mr. Tally, we're in town, Uh, we'll be doing this and announcing (laughs) your presence. Um, mm. So you really got multiple different factors playing in there, addressing different audiences with the same media. And not only that, you're basically creating this virality effect of multiple people trying to do what you do in quotes. Um, and it's very interesting to look at that and see how it affected 
culture and America back home. Yeah, it, it's. I'm glad that we we are at a point where we can kind of everyone can be grown up and analyze this stuff from all over the place. Because holy shit, did we get our asses kicked? And if you're not learning from that, guess what? Americans gonna keep on fucking dying in fields for no good reason. Yeah, you can look at books like Phantom Soldier, which is written towards the American military, um, like you know low level uh, you know grunts and NCOs, and like telling them about how adversaries in East Asia will address American doctrine and habits, and <laughs> basically you have this guy. Uh, you know, writing all these books towards them, like, hey, like, you need to change what you do or, like, what you were taught isn't necessarily applicable because your enemy has adapted and you, the guys who were teaching you didn't. Um, and, like, pushing books out like that because as guys start learning, they might get more of that doctrinal-based thought, which isn't bad mm. for a foundation, right? But it might be misleading in the way to approach certain problems rather than using our creativity to approach them and realizing there might be more than one way to skin a cat. That is a good segue. <laughs> more than one way to skin a cat. Um, so someone asks, and this is something that I think of all people I've talked to, you're probably one of the better ones for it because personally, I have not wanted to get too involved with getting people to meet other people because it's that's a bit of a hornet's nest but um you've you've been uh kind of helping to facilitate groups getting together a little bit right oh absolutely and how if i can be a little bit candid about it how has that kind of gone have you had any kind of like worries doing it or has it all been kind of a good experience with getting guys together i haven't heard really anything bad aside from like hey i met this one guy who's a little off so like we just didn't meet again like that is the worst i've heard uh, pretty much everything else has been super positive. Uh, guys now are like, hey, we're hanging out with this group. We go to brunch every other Sunday. Um, and it's great. And really just getting guys to not be so isolated. Uh, not yeah. for like anything militant or preparatory. Like literally just getting friends. Community. Like, exactly. It's, it could be really isolated out there. Especially after you had the whole political conundrum last two years where everyone's at each other's throats. Like it becomes very difficult. Yeah. Um, it, it addresses the mental health aspect of it. Um, for example, just like if two weeks ago I had guys in the Patreon discord were like, Oh, Hey, three of us just found out like five minutes ago, we're all in the same area. Like I never had anyone before. Now I have friends and now they're hanging out all the time. Um, it just, it, it sucks seeing guys pursue this and I know that they're not alone. Right. Cause I can see pretty much everything. Right. Yeah. Uh, from top down but they can't necessarily see that and just realizing like hey there there are guys out there who like want a friend who has their back uh, you can find it too um, the big issue i see with it, it aside from like the environmental effects is the internal uh, locus of control in some guys like it's just not there they feel like they're helpless and there's no chance mm. uh, because they have this dimmer mentality i'm like you no one's stopping you from doing anything on this planet. Like it's literally just you. Once, once you realize that you can do whatever you want, meet whoever you want, like and have that mentality towards things like you're going to accomplish anything. So if you want to make friends and find them, if you build it, they will come. So be a pleasant person to be around. Don't be a weirdo. Um, (laughs) 
you know, no one cares about your Funko Pop collection or whatever kids are into these days. <laughs> um, just be a normal human. Like, well, how do I know if I trust them? I'm like, if you would trust them around your family and your kids, that's when you know. If you wouldn't trust them around those people, like, it ain't it, Chief. Yeah. You know, go go out, do something, chill, you know. <laughs> Brunch sounds just, good. Just hang out. My my word, why is it always have to be trained? Yeah. Like, just hang out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and if you do have to be a little bit autistic about it, then a chill range day where maybe we leave, you know, certain components at home and everyone just gets on a level. Cool. If, if that's what you need to do to so you don't feel, you know, odd, maybe go and do that. Maybe go and clean up your local range or something. But um, no, it's... And my God, if you do have that stuff, <laughs> stop talking about it. <laughs> no. the, oh my god the guys who dm me like a picture of it and i'm like i can see the serial i number, don't need dude. to see that <laughs> it's the serial number why would you fucking do that god damn it this uh, is why i don't check my dms <laughs> i get it <sighs> but um no i i really love that you're doing that man because it's i i've personally like i said i've been very hesitant to get involved with it because there's a lot of you know oddities that come with it and kind of risk with facilitation but if you're going about it from a top-down very sensible way of we're building community guys just get together and you know well, that's why i chilled out a little bit uh doing you know this event down in texas childerberg and and meeting people in real life that i've been talking to for years i'm like god this is so much fucking better like you're real people and maybe we can actually get some shit done in this life you know <laughs> exactly it, it, it's just such a relief just to meet guys so you can talk to you, you can actually feel like you can be yourself yeah in a world of interconnectivity you think we'd have more of this but it seems like we've just gotten more and more isolated and it's it's really sad it really is um, something something the industrial revolution and its consequences have been a disaster but um teddy's my homie ted ah oh, cancer man bless him but uh <laughs> a pause on that for an uncomfortably long moment um have Mitch sweating. Uh, no, I'm not going to talk about Teddy anymore. Probably, probably. I'm trying to see what if there's anything good to wrap on. Someone called Rogel is asking for toe picks. No feet picks for him. Absolutely not. Oof. Sorry, buddy. I tried. R.I.P. Um, <laughs> I, I was trying to trying to be a wingman there. Um, <laughs> some of these are just just awful. Uh, are they all? Are all uh, asking for sexual favors? Ah, I mean, kinda. Someone's asking where's the best place to shit your pants? At your house, I, I guess. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess the the thinking there would be you can just ditch it and no one has to know, you know, if it has to happen. But uh, yeesh, man. Um, all right. Here's a good one. Here's a good one to wrap on. What is one avenue to get people into the community that hasn't been used by us? I mean. Kind of, kind of a difficult one because surely we'd be doing it. But uh, any thoughts? Ooh, this is a good one. Um, initial thought I posted on this a little bit is any public area you normally see like those stickers on, right? You see like the skateboard stickers, like the mm. stickers, all that random shit. Uh, like light poles, mailboxes, uh, any other public place, uh, ski lifts, um, buses, stuff like that. Slap some gun stickers in there. Yes. <laughs> make, make it look common right because it takes you no effort you get a thousand with every freaking thing you order so you probably have like 20 sitting around 
and like you can just slap them on stuff, right? It took you three seconds of your time, and if have, someone has to scrape it off, it takes about ten minutes of theirs. Yep. Beautiful guerrilla marketing at its exactly. finest. You're just like, all right, you're my billboard now, motherfucker. <laughs> um, I don't know what the legal limitations of like firearms and gear manufacturing is, but um, typical marketing, I think, like getting like Magpul stuff, you know, like even if it's like clothing, like in there, or just like other brands who are gun related. Maybe if they did like clothing lines, getting that kind of stuff out of there. Um, that's what immediately comes to like, imagine if, uh, Daniel defense ran a separate company, Daniel defense clothing, right? It was a second legal company, but you ran it parallel with your organization and owned by your organization. I'm just using this example. Forget the Daniel defense politics. It's just, yeah, I, I, I was like trying to make, come up with a joke while you were talking. It, it's just an example. Right. And they I, I'll, I'll, leave out, it, I'll leave it today. Daniel defense. And they pulled out like a NFL ad. Now, it would get a ton of hysteria because eventually all those news organizations are going to catch on. But you're going to promote the shit out of it if you know that that's going to happen. Mm. Um, and things like that, uh, that immediately comes to my head. Um, it's actually something I've been thinking about recently. And the sticker really was kind of the easiest one that came to my mind. No, I, I, I'm, I'm a big proponent being a sticker salesman. But, uh, but no, like if, if you especially if you can design stuff yourself, like it's awesome to just print. Like we are living in a beautiful time where, you know, everyone can be a propagandist. You can, you can design something, you know, with free software. You don't even have to be like a, a talented artist or anything. You can make something with just stock images and, you know, template shit, get it print, get a thousand printed and go and slap them on every mailbox in the neighborhood. And, yeah. you know, get, get your, your schizo opinion out there with everyone else's. Um, I think maybe more rucking and getting out and people seeing things like, even if it's just like a workout plate carrier, that type of gear and making it mm. more normalized. Um, normalizing, like, I, I know it's a little cringe and, you know, not great, man, but like having the Molly stuff, like if that's more and more prevalent, like it just starts to blend in more and people get accustomed of it. And you basically just start taking ground an inch at a time. Dude, I, it's, I noticed such a stark difference as a as euro trash you know in red and blue states or you know whatever the case is with the politics gun friendly versus you know anti-gun states like just seeing how people's vehicles look how their clothes look like people are you know out in the southwest and most of the kind of freedom corridor so-called freedom corridor uh the the better states um people are generally a lot more comfortable with like you know molly is just kind of a fact of life on on gear and bags and stuff i've seen you know hipsters with with molly on their packs it's just like you know it's not obscene here like it would be to, to look like you know a guy that just fell through a 511 store in i don't know california or something you know you, everyone's gonna be like what the fuck is this guy yeah and I, I, the goal of this marketing isn't necessarily win them over in a day it's just like oh cool i got you into say like vertex clothing 511 clothing or whatever right I've already just gained an inch on you. So now you're more open to other gear. Maybe you buy your backpack. Now you have the backpack and maybe it's not like a three day pack. It's just an assault pack. And you say, Oh, Hey, maybe it'd be cool to have some things in here like band-aids or something. Cause I needed those the other day. You put them in there and you realize, well, maybe band-aids aren't enough for each scenario. So you start looking and like you get into gauze and then it starts snowballing and snowballing. And now you have an IFAC in there and now you realize, well, 
I have medical, so maybe I need defense. And that starts taking you down. You get your high point, realize it's a piece of shit, get yourself <laughs> a Glock lighter down. And now you get this snowball effect of, you know, it'll take like five years to fully come complete, but you've already started something. Um, for example, here now, like I'm taking like people who are completely staunchly anti firearm. And now they're like, Hey, like I see, like I heard you shoot around here. I'd like to go with you sometime. It's like, Oh, this is awesome. Now you convert this person. They're like, Oh wow, this would be really cool to uh, defend my house with. And they're like, well, all these laws are complete BS. And now you got someone uh, who's completely in agreement with you and now less likely to uh, agree with anything that would be used against you force wise to take your rights from you. And now you have a extra guy on your side instead of being minus one in the equation with someone standing against you. Now you're plus one. You have two guys now. Yeah. One less neighbor to tell on you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, um, that's something I think uh, Marauder project before he, he got the Zuck RIP. Uh, he was talking about kind of normalizing kind of that, that militant appearance uh, just amongst the population and someone uh, we recently went hiking on a public trail with rifles and, and kit and stuff like, you know, and, and people, there was mixed reactions, mostly positive, which was cool, but it's, it's still just a reminder that kind of, you know, like, and we were perfectly pleasant as we did it, you know, saying hi, stopping and talking to people if they wanted to. And just that kind of exposure in the culture is, uh, I think very underrated. People don't, People are far too shy about their lifestyle, I think, in this mm-hmm. kind of this kind of space. And obviously, you know, don't, don't be an obnoxious cunt about it. But like, so some people really make a mess of uh, of kind of being a messenger for this stuff. But yeah, just like, if someone's going to completely disagree and start an argument, like, just wish them well, smile, yeah, wave, and yeah. go on. Like, think of it like customer service. You are representing the values and the brand you stand for. So if you have a negative interaction with someone, you're giving them a reason to not like you more and more aside from just like your beliefs, right? You're like, you're being a dick, you're, you know, talking back, but talking emotionally, uh, you're giving them more ammunition and confirming their beliefs, which rather than like, you're just being positive and like uplifting and just like, Hey, I appreciate, you know, I appreciate you giving me that input, but, uh, not really my style. Uh, have a good day, sir. Take care. Uh, that by not giving them in like, ammunition and emotion back right you're you're staying on the level you want to be on and not going down to their level uh you kind of make them look like an asshole if there's other people <laughs> around yeah 100%. And, and then they're going to be thinking about the situation the rest of the day because humans are normally uh, accustomed to getting emotional reactions back and when you don't give that to them it really flusters them and they get even angrier and realize they're an idiot uh, yeah there's, there's nothing better than getting cut off by some fucking someone with you know every blue sticker of the last 20 years. And then, uh, you know, they, they give you the finger or whatever, and you can just give them a thumbs up. And they're just like, fuck, you denied exactly. me that. You de- denied me my ugh, getting off. Yeah, play by your rules. <laughs> uh, yep. Going on that Marauder thing, like wearing camo, uh, you can think of something like wearing your chest rig on a hike. Uh, maybe you want mags, maybe you don't. doesn't really matter. Someone asks you what that is. You just say, oh, hey, look, I go uh, navigating with this thing and out in the woods. And they're like, Oh, that's really cool. And you're like, oh, and sometimes I shoot and just throw that out there Um, and come up with a story for stuff like this. You can start to reel someone in rather than throwing them on like the mental blinders up, right? Because they hear like, oh, shooting, no, bad, shooting, bad. You could start to reel them in just a little closer. Uh, 
before you throw that out there, and that way you start they uh, listen to you just a little more. Yeah, yeah, like so this not not concerned couple, but like like a pair of ladies were just like, oh, uh, you know, what you doing out here? And our response was just like, oh, just weighing ourselves down a bit while you know, handful of us are holding rifles and kill on on this trail, and you know, they were like, oh, cool, and simple as that. Like, yeah, just make it look like it's normal, and they'll because come to your level. Be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They'll come to your level, uh, especially if you're like again super calm with it, super confident with it. Uh, you don't need to argue with them if they have a point. Maybe you don't have a counterpoint. Just be like, "Oh, yeah, got a problem?" Like, yeah, that's just, gonna that's not gonna do you anything. <laughs> yeah, you just say like, "Hey, thanks for your input," and just like don't give them don't give them the chance and make it seem completely normal as it should be. And now you start to make them feel like they're weird, and that's uncomfortable. I People don't it. like discomfort. Like, you start to play these mental games. If you really want to screw with them, you could uh, do a couple things. You could uh, look past their shoulder. Uh, they'll start to keep turning right there. Um, that throws them off because they think something's behind them because you're looking past their shoulder, uh, and you can completely gaslight them. Uh, you can look at their forehead and not give them really any emotional reaction back when they say things and just kind of nod. That makes people really unnerved. Or if it's like a guy, you can look at their lips and it like they're... <laughs> It, it makes them feel like you're uh, sexually attracted to them. If that's it, like you know, like dude on dude, two straight dudes, like like looking like that, it's gonna make you really like put off. Just just some fun things you can do. Psyops with Reaper, <laughs> interpersonal psyops with Reaper. <laughs> uh, well, uh, we're about coming up to an hour and a half. But uh, was there anything else you want to touch on before we fuck off here? Think through things. Like counter forensics, it's definitely a good oh, to yes. look at yourself um, from a view of what kind of trace do I leave everywhere I go. Uh, it's not like a paranoid thing or like, hey, I'm gonna go take on the big bad government, right? Like, not even that. Like, just understanding how you interact with your environment and how it interacts with you and all the complexities that goes in with everything, right? So, um, it, look at it this way, right? Non-state actors have forensic capabilities. That's scary if you have to take on an organization like that, right? Taking on some mafia or cartel, and now they're trying to hunt you down with a brass casing you left. That's terrifying. Um, yeah. And understanding how that brass casing can identify you could help save you from you know getting blood eagles in an overpass. <laughs> sure as fuck. Especially if you're a Mormon living down in Mexico. Right. <laughs> bless those poor fuckers yeah, right but uh no like aside from uh forensics and stuff is there any other kind of niche topics or skill sets that you think is like something that might engage you but has largely been ignored by kind of the wider community i think uh looking at intelligence and tracking are both really good ones intelligence isn't hit on enough i'm seeing it start to take off as guys mm. realize they need information really it's just been dominated by s2 underground but seeing more groups like that pop up whether they go online or not will definitely be super helpful because the basis of all actions intelligence right if you know there's a riot down the street or if a well went out and that supplies all the city's water that gives you more time to make decisions. Mm. Um, on the other one, like I view tracking as just cool. Like it's something I really want to get into uh, more and just understanding again, how you interact with like a natural or unnatural environment. Uh, what traces do you leave there? Um, 
And you can track down animal school uh, too, and you know figure out who's walking through your neck of the woods. Uh, it's just something I find interesting. Uh, it's kind of niche, but it's cool. Well, I mean, if you're you know if you're in a situation where you are out in the sticks and you need to know, you know what's happening in your area of operation, it's going to be critical to be a good tracker. So, it, for for someone, it could be incredibly niche, and for someone else, it might be you know day to day kind of habit they have to get into. I think counter tracking though and anti tracking is definitely something everyone should know. Uh, just base yeah. skills, you know, it's one thing to have the skill to track someone. It's also it's another to know that uh, non state actors, state actors individuals with malintent like will try to track you down if you pose a threat to them and if you're running out in the sticks they're going to send their best so know how to buy yourself some time mm. i love it um well thank you for coming on man my pleasure it's been uh been a hell of a conversation we'll definitely have to get you back on i think i think nathan and mitch will probably get you on but this was a this is like a cool I don't know how this is going to come out being on both platforms. It should be interesting, but uh, hijacking the show for a, for a week. But uh, no, thank you for doing it with me, man. My pleasure. Um, all right. So where can we find you? And I also need to ask, where can we find um, kind of the, the the place to go if you're trying to get in touch with uh, with other people in your area? So you can find me on Instagram at Reaper. Let's see what the new tag is now. Reaper one dot one dot actual. That'll be my main page. I have a backup at Reaper at the Reaper one dot one. But those are the two big places to reach me. Alternatively, uh, not to plug myself, but to plug myself, I have a Patreon. Go for it, man. Patreon uh, Reapers hide. Um, you can find me on there. I repost everything there, as well as some content that's just a uh, a little too hot for the uh, post Zuckerberg Instagram. Uh, some things just can't really be on there you know like spike traps and all that so that that goes under that platform um as far as the skill tree you could find that in my story highlights and it should be just a few posts down so it's still pretty recent pretty easy to find wunderbar all right we will put that in the link below both to your patreon and instagram oh and before we go we gotta get some dad advice you are capable of so much more than you can imagine. And I mean that in a way of whenever you feel like you're about to quit and run out of energy, you're only 40% expended. I was told that by a Navy SEAL when I was younger and I never believed it till I went through uh, cancer my second time. And I realized that the body will keep going on um, long and long uh, after you feel like you should have quit. Um, Basically, you are out of gas when you are knocked out or dead. That's it. <laughs> if not, you're still in the fight. Fuck yeah. That's... I don't know, I don't know if you're a dad currently or, or plan on being in the future, but I think you're going you're gonna to knock out of the park, man. I appreciate that, uh, brother. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for listening, and uh, okay, bye. Thanks for listening, guys. If you like this flavor of show, be sure to keep up with me on Instagram at br.the.anarch anarchist without the ist we'll be back next week with the usual on war podcast but if you like this episode be sure to follow my show on your podcatcher of choice by searching for the br hates feds show we'll be back with regular on war next week with some great shows coming up with mitch talking to blue jean operator and nathan been mag dumping into trash stateside with print shoot repeat and i'm pretty sure they got a recording in somewhere amidst that all right for real this time 
Okay, bye.